Well, you heard the scene about the great reunion, right? About Joseph telling his brothers finally who he is. They don't recognize him when they come the first time because Joseph has been a long time away from them since he was 17 and beaten up and stripped by them of his beautiful coat and thrown into a cistern and sold for just 20 shekels of silver. They hadn't seen Joseph and they thought that he was long gone. Since then, he had lived a lot of life, made a lot of tough breaks turn into positives, and he had become acclimated and culturized as such that he was now an Egyptian by all stretch of the means. He spoke the language. He understood the culture. He lived, and among Pharaoh's court there had great, great power in decision-making and influence among all the people of Egypt. It was his wise plan to prepare, because of his dream interpretation, all of Egypt for seven years of starvation by storing up during seven years of harvest before, great harvest, food stores enough not just for the Egyptians, but for people all around. And so his brothers come back to him today, and Joseph has a reveal party. I don't know if you have had grandkids lately, but the big thing now when couples are pregnant and expecting a child, especially their first one, is to get their friends together for a reveal party, they call it, a gender reveal party where they tell if it's going to be a boy or a girl. Joseph is revealing his true identity to his brothers today in this situation, and it scares them at first. Did you hear that? They're afraid. They are scared to death because of what they did to Joseph so many years ago. Here comes the boom, they're thinking. And yet, in the midst of it all, Joseph, Joseph shows some, some tremendous characteristics of, of faith in God that, that inspire all of us still to this day. So let's look at those today. A few characteristics I want to lift up and pull out of this. And the first of those is, is patience. Joseph shows a tremendous amount of patience with his brothers, but also with God. Did you hear what he said in verses 5 and pretty much through 8, where he tells them that I am here in Egypt today, not because you sold me into slavery and tried to rub me out. I'm not here by circumstance or simply by being called here by someone else, but I was sent here before you by God to prepare me for this very moment, to be able to provide for you the food that you need to eat so that our family can survive. Joseph is very patient in, in awaiting and seeing how it is that God is going to bring about a reconciliation with these brothers that once tried to kill him. I wish I had that kind of patience in dealing with people in life. I don't know if you're tested that way. Sometimes we think that, that we deserve a lot, a lot more than we get. We sometimes just spend our lives complaining and, and moaning about how terrible it is that we don't get what we deserve, while everybody that doesn't deserve it gets so much more. We can fall into the pity party. We can, can fail to even face and take on the day because we're so caught up in, in how unfair life is and we become so impatient with, with things to be as they ought to be in God's timing. 
Joseph exercises great patience in all that he does, in all the, the time and the years that have passed in dealing with his brothers, and his patience pays off. Because God uses that in a miraculous way that could not have been used otherwise. I was reading some trivia earlier this year, a few months back, about the Daytona 500. Don't ask me how I ended up looking at trivia about a NASCAR race, the most storied race, I would say, of, of all of uh, NASCAR. But I was reading a little bit about the history of that race. Every February, it's kind of known as the Super Bowl of, of racing, uh, especially of stock car racing. I found out that Richard Petty, who lives nearby, has won that race more than any other race car driver still today. Seven times he won the Daytona 500. But 1979 was, shall we say, the most unusual win that he had in that race. Um, and here is the reason. Because he won the Daytona 500 that year running in third place, not in first or second. In what could only be described as uh, the most bizarre of race car finishes. He was 30 second be seconds behind the number one and number two cars going into the last lap. I won't tell you who those race car drivers were. We'll just say Ricky Bobby and uh, Cal. <laughs> because as they were coming around towards the finish line and that, fast, that final last lap, the number two car, of course, tried to push the number one car uh, out of the way so he could take ahead. But the number one car would have none of that. He pushed back. And lo and behold, they ended up twirling around, hitting the wall, going down into the infield, and they both were out of the race. Their cars stopped as number three, Richard Petty, and, and number four, uh, Daryl Waltrip, uh, fought out for number one and passed right by them as they were there on the fields getting out of their cars and starting to duke it out. Yeah, that day, Richard Petty was just patient, wasn't he? He was just running his race as he only knew how to run his race car. He ran his race, and it seemed as if he was coming in well behind what would be first place. And yet, in his patience, he was able to receive victory in a way that, that he couldn't have imagined it if he had not just run his race. And Joseph's example for us is, is just knowing how to be patient with God and running our own race. Do you sometimes feel like you're way behind and you feel like that you're running third or fourth place and you deserve to be in first place and you get bitter and frustrated about that? I'm not saying don't try in life. I'm just saying don't, don't give up. Don't give up. Be patient with God in doing what it is that he's called you to do and how he's called you to live. Have faith like Joseph did, that this creator of the universe has uh, everything in control and your best interest at heart. If you will just have faith, trust him, pray. Spend some time today talking to him about the things that are frustrating you in the week to come. Go home and read this story of Joseph. I mean, if you read it in its entirety from chapter 37 to 50, it doesn't take long. 
And yet, in the middle of that, you will see how throughout Joseph's patience, God used in a miraculous way. So patience is one of these characteristics that Joseph models, but also generosity. Did you notice how much he was giving to his brothers throughout this story? Yes, very generous. Generous of, uh, of his great wealth in the position that he had uh, arisen to and, and been blessed and moved into. The invitation to his brothers to go back to his fathers and say, bring everything and move here to be with me. As if he sent the moving trucks up to Canaan and said, load them up and come on down and live in Goshen. Probably the most fertile place in all of Egypt where all of the, the sheep herders and the, the cattle people desired for their flocks to graze. All of that was offered to to his father, for his brothers to be a part of that, and their wives and their children, though they did not deserve it. Think of what they did to their brother, and yet he turned right around and not just dealt kindly and graciously with them, not only just dealt with a forgiving spirit with them, which was generous in and of itself, but he offered to them what he had and treated them like the family that he had longed to have all of those years away from them. Joseph was uh, a generous spirit, and that's, that's a blessed thing, especially his, his kid brother, Benjamin. Did you hear he gave him special treatment? He, he gave extra silver to him, a bag of silver. Remember, his other brothers had sold him for a bag of silver all those years back. He gave to him extra clothing. Do you remember his brothers had stripped him of his his special clothing, that cloak of many colors, when they sold him into slavery. What generosity Joseph has, and where does that come from? Generosity only comes from a generous spirit within that only comes from receiving a generous portion of grace from God. We talked about last week how how in this story, God is already preparing for the world, Jesus Christ, by, by giving us a face of grace, someone who is forgiving and generous and gracious, even when his family does not deserve it. How are you generous with those that are around you? In your family, even those that, that may not deserve it, how, how do you show them God? is alive and well, dwelling within you by the way that you show generosity to them. How about the ways you serve and help others that are in the greatest of need and have nowhere to turn? Generosity is a beautiful thing cultivated within us. It displays the grace of God to the world around us. What a great witness that it is for us. I loved Julie reading The Good Samaritan today. I picked that, that story because it illustrates someone helping someone else. Not because it was expected of them, but because they saw the need and they were generous to help out someone fallen on hard times. I found this last week, this teaching of Jesus, that, that I just, I'm sure he was thinking of the story of Joseph when he taught this. Listen to all the parallels. In Luke chapter 6, where Jesus said, Love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. 
Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. And if someone slaps you on the cheek or beats you, turn to them the other cheek also. And if someone takes your coat away from you, he said, do not withhold your shirt from them. But give to everyone who asks you, and anyone um, takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do unto others, he concludes by saying, as you would have others do unto you. What tremendous generosity. We are called upon and commanded to live out through Jesus Christ our Lord and following him. And what an inspiration of generosity Joseph is. Last but not least is integrity. And yes, we've, uh, we've touched upon Joseph's integrity before, as we should have, and we probably will again because it bleeds through again and again the story of Joseph and his life. When he reveals himself to his brothers, you may not have caught this, but notice that he sent everyone out of the room before he told them who he was. The reason for that, scholars say, is because all of the time before with his attendants, his servants around, among those were interpreters, he was speaking Egyptian to his brothers and, and working out a way to sell them food to take back to their families. But when he sent all of them away, suddenly Joseph would have only been able to tell his brothers who he truly was by speaking their language, speaking the language he grew up learning as a boy, which was Hebrew. Joseph revealed to them who he truly was and where he came from by the words that he spoke and the way in which he spoke those. And he showed them uh, the very core of who he was and his beginnings. That's what uh, integrity ultimately is, right? That word sometimes gets mixed up with honesty, with, with um, uh, giving the, the correct answers and always being truthful. Honesty is important and similar to integrity, but integrity is really being true more to who you know you are, who your values make you to be, who you claim to be in your heart of hearts and you desire to be your very best self. Your integrity is being true to that. And in the, in the big glitz and glam that Joseph had of his position and his power and his wealth in Egypt, he had a clarifying moment when he had to say to those that he loved the most, this is who I am. I am one of you. And what a beautiful thing. It's a struggle for us every day to live out lives of integrity, of being true as Christians, as followers of Christ as we claim to be and we come to worship here today. It's important for us to maintain the integrity that he calls us to in how we live and in all that we do. We saw a uh, great movie, Jenny and I did, a couple of days ago, called Yesterday. Has anybody seen this movie? It's been out for three or four weeks in movie theaters. It was very well done. I'm not a movie critic, and I am not trying to sell tickets. I don't get any um, kickback, I can tell you that. But it was a very well done and wonderful movie that had this message of integrity running through it, especially in the conclusion. 
Uh, it, it starts out like this. There's a worldwide power outage that lasts only a few seconds, less than a minute. And something happened after that outage and everything came back up online and, and lit up once again. Something happened in the world that changed some, some uh, culturally iconic things in history. And so suddenly, suddenly you realize in this movie after this has happened, that the brand Coca-Cola no longer exists. It just doesn't exist. Pepsi does and all the others, but that brand has disappeared. The idea of cigarettes has never been thought of. No cigarette companies, no tobacco being grown for, for big money to sell, uh, no one inhaling smoke into their lungs voluntarily anymore. Just plain and simple, it's been erased from the mindset of the world. Lastly, lastly, and this is where the movie gets its name, the musical group, The Beatles, has never been heard of before. Can you imagine? None of their songs, not John, not Paul, not George, not Ringo, none of them have ever been heard of. Billions of people, except for one person who remembers them and all of their songs. And that's the point of the movie. This struggling singer-songwriter named Jack Malik, uh, who has been going at it for about 10 years since school, trying to make it big on the music scene, performing and crashing and burning every time, is ready to give up on music altogether. And something happens to him. He's in an accident when this power outage happens, and somehow he's exempt from forgetting everything that others have forgotten especially the Beatles. Can you imagine the success that he made when he realized no one had ever heard of these songs? He started to play them and sing them and claim them as his own. Well, you can imagine the, the movie and how it unfolds, the meteoric success that Jack Malik uh, faces when, when he starts to sing all of these hits, hundreds of Beatles hits that you and I have, have heard through the years. Jack Mallet quickly discovers as he is lured to L.A. to be a recording artist and to be filthy rich that, that he has the whole world as his oyster laid out before him. But there's something afoot in the whole movie. There's this gnawing feeling that he has that he's a fake. He's profiting and he's becoming famous on somebody else's work. He has nightmares where he suddenly wakes up after having a dream that John, Paul, George, and Ringo show up to claim their work as all the songs that he's singing. He, in addition to that, is losing his best friend, his manager when he was a washout professionally and musically, who has been his friend for years and is really a girl that he loves in his heart of hearts. And he has a moment of crisis of identity at the very conclusion of the movie. He's on the biggest stage that he has ever dreamt of there at Wembley Stadium. Over 100,000 fans there. And there, at the height of his popularity and success, he confesses that he is a fake, that he is just sharing the music that other people have written, and he professes his love for the girl of his dreams that he so longs to be with. Leaving behind the music industry and all of the money that he has 
getting ready to make by recording albums, he leaves it behind for a simple life, being true to who he knows that he really is. It's a beautiful story similar to that of Joseph that, that reminds us that if we will just simply follow the integrity of who God's created us to be, if we'll take our identity in Jesus Christ and, and his follower, if we will live out the love and the compassion and the generosity and the patience that he exemplified, then we will find blessing in way that we could, ways that we could never imagine or create for ourselves. And so this morning, I want us to pray for how God is calling us to live these things out, these three things this week, in whatever it is that we face. Let's bow our heads together.